This is the Tom Bigby Tales, and I'm Shannon Evans, your host. This podcast is about Columbus, a small town in Northeast Mississippi. In today's episode, What in the World is She Smoking?, we will tackle the Foundation's 990s and the preparations at the Elks Club for the Arts and Antiques show, November 2nd through the 4th. Let's get started. The Tom Bigby Tales finally got access to the public records of the complete IRS filings from the Foundation for years 2019 through 2021. They have yet to file 2022's 990s, according to the Foundation's director, Carpenter, Getting access to these documents, <clears throat> though, was quite the palaver. However, on September 13th, a request was sent to the CVB and the Foundation for the audits from 2019 through 2023 and for the CCHF Foundation's 990s from the same time frame. John Brady, attorney for the CVB, had the audits at the CVB ready for me to see. I went in to look at those on October the 10th, but got the runaround from Carpenter on seeing the 990s, which she refused. Brady's not the foundation's attorney, and Carpenter tried to make a big deal of needing an all-new FOIA request form for the foundation. As they had no lawyer, they would have to wait to give it to me until after the 19th of October, for them to hire a lawyer and to create a new FOIA request form, etc. ad nauseum. I emailed back that no attorney was needed and sent them a blank um, free form that I had accessed on the internet and found on various government and legal sites. No response was ever returned. On October 19th, which came and went, there was no response. So on October 22nd, I wrote a stern letter to both the CVB and the Foundation Boards. That letter states, Dear Mrs. Carpenter and board members, another week has passed and another promised due date of the 19th has come and gone. The requested items are still in need of attention and receipt. I can only believe at this point you do not plan to comply and I will be forced at the end of this month to engage the state's attorney general to file for these readily available complete public records. The sunshine laws in this state are quite clear. Even a lay person can understand them. Providing this information is a simple matter of instructing your accountant to produce the complete 990 forms for years 2019 and 2020 through 2023. I am frankly appalled but not surprised by your foot dragging in this matter. If your records are in order, transparency should be something you would be eager to provide the public. Your continued lack of response and obfuscation is duly noted. A response is not only expected, but at this point required. Sincerely, Patricia Shannon Evans. Oh, I also cc their um, CPA. I immediately had a response from the attorney, like seconds later. And, <clears throat> and he's... <laughs> checking that I had gotten all the audits, which I had. I reiterated this was for the Foundation's 990, and I thanked him. Apparently, one minute after Brady's letter, I had a letter from the president of the Foundation's board, Brenda Willis, informing me that 990s would be ready to view that evening at 5 p.m. Amazing how that worked. I went in to view those 990s at the Tennessee Williams building, a 
as directed. Uh, no one was there, however. I waited about 20 minutes, and then here comes Nancy Carpenter trotting across the, the tarmac of the, I'm drawing blank with my words, but right across the parking lot. And she came with a thick envelope and the keys to the building. And she was babbling on about the Elks building. Clearly, she had just listened to my last podcast as she went on and on and on about how wonderful the interior looked and what great shape it was in and how she'd had the city inspector in and a fire marshal. And they passed with flying colors. Uh, no, not at all. And more on that later. Anyways, we went inside the Tennessee Williams building and I began going through the 990s and listening to her prattle on that the Butler donation would not be in this stack because it was donated in November of 2021, which put it on the 2022 tax year as their calendar runs from October 1st through September 2030. I looked up from 20 from the 2021 taxes and pointed out I'd already found the $75,300 entry on the 2021, and it was clearly not included in the 2022, 2023, or 2024 budget for the foundation as a project, but is on the 2024 as a restricted account. She suddenly became very nervous and contradicted what she just told the dispatch not even a month ago. Previously, in the dispatch, she stated the reason the money wasn't traceable at the CVB was because it was a foundation donation. But on Monday, while I was looking at the 990s, she stated the reason it was not reflected on the 2022 budget was because the check came in to the CVB in June or July, and in November of 2021, it was moved to the foundation. She really needs to either keep notes of the lies she tells or quit talking. She lies when all she has to do is tell the truth. What's more interesting is that in the 2024 newest budget, the figure shown does not agree with the deposit amount allegedly made to the restricted account. It is also alleged that there is significantly less money in that restricted account because Carpenter has robbed Peter to pay Paul. Remember, she told her new foundation board she knows how to move money around to cover expenses. And that's a quote. Want to bet she uses those restricted accounts to move money around regularly? Someone needs to swing by the bank and actually check the bank balances and not rely on the statements Carpenter manufactures for board meetings, since we already know she lies. But let's talk about her other lies. The lies about the Elks Club building are stacking up left and right. In February of 2017, Carpenter stated, in the, again, in the local paper, The Dispatch, that it would take $700,000 at that point to restore the Elks Club building. However, in August of 2016, Carpenter, interviewed by The Dispatch, the local paper, again, said the building needed new HVAC, new roofing, a new roof, and structural repairs. None of these things have been done, and instead, she invested $86,000 in Jumbotron ads at MSU so she could use her box seat with her daughter that she got as a perk. And it's not alleged. I can promise you that. While she's gallivanting with our tax dollars to Starkville, the building continued to fall further in disrepair. 
She has told the board on multiple occasions the building was not safe for any functions and it would cost between $700,000 and $1.5 million to put it in shape to use. Until the Arts Council told her she could not use their space for Arts and Antique Show, that was when Carpenter suddenly changed the venue to the Elks Club, which again, suddenly was in her own words, in amazing shape and would, quote, be a great place for the event without even notifying her board. Her board was not pleased, especially when she hired three yard cleanup guys and then a large crew of commercial cleaners to tackle the insides, all without board approval. I can't imagine how gross the bathrooms were after almost 10 years of not being used. Now she has hired a contractor because the roof over the porch has been leaking so long that it is rotten through to the floor joists. There is no way this building quote, pass the building inspection with flying colors, end quote. One section of 12 to 14 feet of gaping rot at the is at the base of the fire escape that covers the, and it covers the entire width of the porch. The end two columns will need to be jacked up to replace the boards beneath that are also rotten. Not an easy or inexpensive fix. The other section of obvious rot is about eight feet long and three feet wide under the rounded portion of the of the porch where the roof has been allowed to leak on those floorboards as well. While the area at the entrance appears to be sound, one would not know without going under that part of the porch. I asked the guy delivering the wood and starting repairs, uh, and he said, no way. All those groundhogs and rats moved under those under there after the Gilmer was torn down. The Gilmer was the neighboring hotel. I've seen them just now and run out of that field and up under there. So he said, okay, so it needs rodent abatement and inspection too. Man, we still don't know if that front section of the porch is safe. So we really don't know for certain if anything is sturdy and stable. I guess we'll find out when the vendors start bringing in those heavy antiques next week across that area of the porch. I hope the empty building insurance policy has been converted to occupied building insurance to cover the event's liability. The inside of the building is mostly an open floor plan on the first floor with a giant bar in the front of the building. It once was a restaurant in that, in that space. There is also a back room on that first floor that apparently has some issues and we will be roped off for the function. What types of issues? Structural? Water leaking from the from the pitted and ignored shoddily repaired roof? Or is it more ominous and an electrical issue? Whatever it is, it can't be good if they have to rope it off. What are they going to do about the tatty, <clears throat> decrepit paint job on the peeling and collapsing porch? Or the faded and cracked and peeling front doors? Or the chipped and peeling and badly in need of caulking front windows downstairs? What about the falling window sashes upstairs on the front of the building? Well, Carpenter was heard today saying she and her staff would have a painting party. Yes, Babs is going to slap cheap lipstick on that pig and call it a party. What in the world is she smoking? Carpenter only has $4,000 for building maintenance in the CVB budget. The lumber for the porch repair will be at least half that, if not more. The contractor will take the rest and then some to do the repairs on such notice and in a rush. 
The event itself only has a budget of $14,500, of which 6K is already committed to her catering. There is $1,500 in that budget for space rental, but that can now be become building cleanup money. But what about the rest? Carpenter told her board she has nowhere else to hold the event, and the other event sites in town were booked. And yet I called and located two spaces in town of the right size and accessibility in about five minutes with two separate calls. Clearly, she lied about that, too. This event usually loses money for the CVB, but this year, not only is it going to be a money and time suck, it is now showing the, the entire community how incompetent Carpenter is. Clearly, she is in over her head. She needs to be called out on her lies, and she needs to be exposed for her eagerness to endanger the public in that building. And she needs to be removed for ineptness and malfeasance. But don't take my word on that building. Go over there tomorrow and see for yourself. Walk around the east side of the building. Look up at all the rotten soffit and fascia, all the leaks in the porch ceiling, and at the shoddy roofing repairs. Look at the windows with holes in them and the falling trim. But don't go on the porch. It's not safe. Is this really our best foot forward for tourists coming to the art and antique show? If this fiasco isn't enough for the board to demand her resignation or to fire her themselves, what would it take? I swear she could murder someone and there are some and there would be some members of this board who would busily make excuses for her. What will it take to send her to the house? Will they continue to let her spend their budget dry over the remaining five months of her contract? Contact the CVB board and demand her removal. It's your tax dollars she's throwing away. Demand change and demand accountability. This is Shannon Evans with the Tom Bigby Tales. Please like, share, and follow. And we'll see you on the next issue.